Hey there, believers. Let's get through this commercial break first so we can enjoy a full show. Do you want to be prepared for anything that could happen in day-to-day life or when disaster strikes? From the office to the outdoors, then please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com and check out the packs that they have to offer. They're made in America, and I mean every single piece of fabric, hardware, buckle, and frame. All the labor, too, is right here in America. So when you buy from Squatch Survival Gear, you're supporting multiple small businesses right here at home. I've become good friends with Chris. Um, He's a military vet. So all of these packs are made to mill spec. All right, so they're all military standard packs. They're good for everything. These things are virtually bomb proof. I promise you, I own two of them. I have the Rock Ape and the Mothman pack. They cannot be beaten. I've I've had gear all my life. I had gear in the military. I have gear when I go hunting. I have gear for camping. The Squatch Survival gear changes the game. All right, I, I take one to work every day. I take the Mothman pack with me to work. Just use it as a regular backpack, but it's so functional. It's it's just unbelievable quality. All right, so please go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. Now, to save 15% site-wide, I encourage you to use promo code 23BUMP. That's 23BUMP to save 15% site-wide. Hey there, believers. Got a great episode for you today. Um, This is take two on this introduction. My mind is already on Derek Olson. Oh, did I say Derek Olson? That's who our guest is this week. Uh, I'm trying to think of some stuff to have ready for him because this man's a wealth of knowledge and I don't want his second time on the show to be wasted. Uh, I love having him on. I want to pick his brain about what's been going on with his, uh, his account. Looks like it's been getting shadow banned, maybe. Also, uh, that that's happening at the same time that all this news in Peru about these uh, Peruvian face peeler alien gold miner with jetpack, all that stuff's going on at the same time. So why is his account being shadow banned? Is it because he's hovering over the target? Does he uh, realize something that they just now realize that he realizes? Does he know the truth in Peru? I think so. Um, are these Peruvian face peelers? That guy. For those of you that are just listening, I'm pointing to the Flatwoods Monster statue. Uh, sometimes I forget that videos are a small, small part of this show. Yeah. I, I think there could be a connection between the Flatwoods Monster and the face peelers. But regardless, I'm excited to have Derek Olson on the show today. Um, we're going to talk about Peru. We're going to talk about legends. We're going to talk about megalithic marvels and whatever else he's got going on. I'm just happy to have him on. I'm blessed to have an hour or so with him. All right, so I'll shut up. You guys just get ready for a great episode. All right, I think we're on. How's it going, Derek? It is going great. Um Pumped to be back with you, man, and talk about some very interesting topics, to say the least. Absolutely. 
I, I thank you for taking the time to do this. I know we we talked before I hit record, and I feel goofy rehashing uh, hellos, but you know it it is what it is for the show. Uh, I saw a post that you had on Instagram, and it was talking about this the shadow ban or the the censorship that you seem to be facing on your show, uh, like doing the uh, the search engines and. You're you're not coming up, and megalithic marvels is huge. I I know you have well over three hundred thousand on Instagram, and I think you're like well over a million on on TikTok or or YouTube or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah, I've got some other channels too. Uh, I think YouTube actually I'm almost at three hundred thousand, and TikTok's got a couple hundred thousand. So yeah, we've been trying to rock and roll. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it's jumping. And for people for it to not show up in search engines, uh, that kind of kind of shocked me. And for me, the timing was weird because it was at the same time as uh, the Peruvian news, you know, outbreak of these face peelers and stuff like that. Do you think that the shadow ban was involved in that or do you think it's about more than that about about just the historical content great question bo i think you know it could um i think i think you know obviously the last several years we've seen this increased uh censorship of just anything that doesn't fit the mainstream narrative of news right, right. and i think now as we've gotten three years away from 2020 in my humble opinion, uh, that we've se I've seen from what I do with you know focusing mostly on you know forbidden history, right? We've seen this mass awakening of people realizing, okay, fake news isn't just modern day news; it's also historical news. And it's been fun. It's been the funnest last couple of years. Where I think that's part of the reason I've seen such growth is there's a huge groundswell of interest into there is a cover up of history. And so people are jumping on megalithic marvels. Joe Rogan's really done a huge part in this with his show, right? Bringing on the Graham Hancock's of the world and talking about lost civilizations and, and then Graham's uh, Netflix documentary, ancient apocalypse. I mean, that show alone, I think red pilled millions because they were like, Oh, since it's a official Netflix documentary, it can't be that crazy. And so, um, they start watching this stuff and realizing, oh man, you mean the 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 earth might be way older than we've been told and lost civilizations and technology. And so I think what's happening um, most likely is that the search engines, the algorithms, especially Facebook and Instagram, because that's where I've gotten hit the hardest, are clamping down on any uh, hashtags or keywords that will direct people to these topics. And so I think the reason I'm getting hit the hardest is because my 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 main uh, account name is Megalithic Marvels. Right. Well, I started to get inboxes from people saying, "Hey, like I heard about you on this podcast, so I wanted to follow you on Instagram, and I literally couldn't find you. I had to, you know, I couldn't find you because of the search. I had to find you. I eventually found you because you collaborated on a post, like with Blurry Creatures or something, right? Wow. And I saw you and I clicked on you." So, you know, I heard this enough times where I thought, man, I'm going to, I need to try this out. So you might've seen, I did a video with a screen recording 
when you type in the word megalithic, it's literally banned. Um, so, so I think it's not just my hashtag or name megalithic marvels, but it's anything that has the word megalithic in it. Nothing appears. And so that's why my count isn't appearing. So if you type in megalithic marvels, at least as, as recent as this recording right now, for months, I haven't popped up. You know, my account doesn't pop up. None of my reels pop up. You know, the tens of thousands of uh, posts with the Megalithic Marvels hashtag don't pop up. And, you know, unfortunately, it's really caused my um, channel to stop growing. So, like, if you look at my stats, they've just flatlined. Yeah. So I definitely think it, me, I definitely think it, it lends to that I'm um, over the topic, I guess, in a way that's threatening the powers that be as ridiculous as that sounds but why else would you and what sucks is you know you spend years on these platforms building a community building their community building their their uh you know their app instagram and then you're punished like this and you try to get help and you literally can't get any help anywhere so it's been frustrating man but i guess i just try to harness that to Guess I guess we are awakening minds and just got to keep pushing forward and evolving in other spots. So that's what I'm trying to do. Man, you know, I wouldn't even know where to to go to try to get that resolved. I mean, if it's being blocked, obviously it's Instagram itself, right? That that's doing the blocking. That um, and it's interesting that it's anything that says megalithic. Um. What do you what do you think that is? Is it who would be in control of that? I, I just I don't know. I just blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. Again, I think. Um, yeah, I just I think they know so many people are getting into these alternative history topics, right? Yeah. And so once you start going down that road, where it gets dangerous for the establishment is. If you start to realize, okay, there's more to history than we've been led to believe, this threatens a lot of people that have made a career in giving us fake history. It means most of the books we read were fake. It means everything your history and college teachers were telling you, and not, not everything, but a lot of it was, you know, fake. Yeah. And um, and then we start asking questions like, well, where's the technology, right? Right. Where's the technology they had back then? Uh, where is it today? And like you go to Egypt, I was just there this um, past May, and you start to realize, man, all of these, you know, if, if the pyramids were really these giant holistic, like ancient energy generators, um, and they were just using water and geology and magnetism, why aren't we doing that today? Right. You know, why are we uh, blowing stuff up with nuclear power? And and uh, when you realize that all these ancient Egyptian temples were meant to heal the body and regenerate the body. Again, in a holistic way, you start to go, OK, maybe there is something to holistic nutrition today and organics and grounding and. Maybe I don't need that um, injection or that pill, right? And so right. you can see where it starts, the onion starts to really be peeled back in a way that 
they want to they want to get ahead of yeah yeah so ultimately a show like yours you know you're with your podcast with your instagram account with your social media it's uh it's dipping into the pockets of even big pharma uh ultimately you know it's it's like that ripple effect and uh and you you've got quite a following you know and there's there's a lot of people that listen to you and, and respect the research that you've done you know when like i said when it first started with the uh the the news coming out about these peruvian face peelers and then i, I scroll on down and i see that you were you were being censored i thought oh no did he say something about these face peelers uh is it because he's you know he's so involved in what you know the history of peru is there is and that's a question for you is there a connection between is there any kind of ancient reference about these face peelers or these uh, i don't know what the the name was that they called them um like is that the astronaut in the nazca lines um you know what wow. i mean like like what what is your opinion on what's going on down there Hey, that would make for an epic reel. The face peelers were the Nazca, the Nazca artist. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there is these legends that, um, and maybe I should just back up for people that might be going, "Hey, wh what are you guys talking about, face peelers?" Yeah. I'm um. Sure. So I think it started about in July. There was um, news started to come out of Peru. A village called San Antonio, I believe. It's up in the northern part of um, Peru, deep in the jungle of the Amazon. And the people live there are called, I think it's pronounced the Aquito tribe. And so news started to come out of here that um, there was some strange entities appearing. And it, I think it came out of a, a girl, a teenage girl, I believe, being abducted uh, in the jungle. Somehow she escaped. And makes it back to her village. Um, but she had injuries. And there's some videos you can find on this of YouTube. Looks like her neck has been cut. Yeah. Uh, you know, lacerated in a way. And so um the villagers, you know, they they are assuming this is some enemy tribe or this is some kind of human kidnapper. They they go out into the jungle, they're looking for uh who these evil perpetrators are, only to find out to their um or that these are entities that they say uh, continue to terrorize them for weeks following, I believe, uh, so much so that the villagers end up somehow getting the Peruvian military and or police to show up, um, which they did. You can see them there on the scene in the, in videos. And again, the crazy part is in this new climate of disclosure, uh, at least the Peruvian media was covering this with a serious tone. You know, it wasn't like they were mocking this. If you watch the videos, reporters are they're talking very serious, like this oh, is yeah. a full-on attack. The craziest part is these villagers basically state that these perpetrators were like seven-foot-tall green entities wearing some kind of masks and and even had body armor on. And um the craziest part was they had like discs, right? That enabled their them to hover, like right. hover through the jungle and fly th fly through the forest. 
And so it just, it sounds so sensational, right? And, and literally crazy. I remember when I first heard this, I'm thinking, man, this is just a, this is a great sensational story to get the clickbait. But then you watch the videos of these people terrified on camera. You see this girl cut up, beat up. Uh, you kind of go, whoa, wait, what's, what is going on here? And, and so the crazy part is, um, I heard Timothy Albarino breaking down how the actual legends of these people in this area of the Amazon, uh, and there is some, um, I believe Spanish word for it that translates as face peelers, right? Right. And these are known to be entities that abduct and actually mutilate, mutilate villagers. And it's freaky because in a similar area, did you see the video of the guy being pulled kind of out of that river yes. with no face? With no face. Yes. Dude, I don't know if that was, you know, if that was Photoshop and some kind of fancy technology, that's the best I've seen. But that like stopped me in my track seeing that video. Uh, because again, this is, you can go search for this on YouTube, maybe use Facebook use the words face peeler Peru, but this was in the same general area, I believe as this incident with a girl uh, and this guy is being, and he's being pulled out of kind of this near this river. He was covered up. His face was covered because of what was so grotesque that I'm going to describe here. Um, but these are police, I believe pulling him out that, you know, they, they obviously got the report that there's something you need to check here. And when the guy, when they roll the body over, you literally see like, you know, his face has been peeled off towards just white bone underneath and yeah. Yeah. very, very shocking. So don't watch it with your kids. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, so that's when, what... I, when I, when I saw that, I thought, no way, you know, I, I and is, is I wasn't trying to be morbid about it, but I had to watch that three or four times and like, come on, is this, is this for real? And I don't see how that would be fake. Um, just knowing like the, the climate of how everything was. And, you know, these were definitely people, if, if this was faked, they weren't aware of it. Um, you know, he's covered up with like banana leaves on the riverbank. And right. yeah. And it was absolutely horrifying. Um, yeah. I think it was Tim Alborino's video that, you know, I, that was on YouTube that had the the little clip because it's only a few seconds long, you know, and it's, right. it is shocking. Yeah. Shocking to say the least. And so, yeah, maybe that is the connection because you've got, obviously we're in this crazy age of UFO disclosure, unlike we've ever seen in our lifetimes, at least guys our age. And so it's like um, the media starting to cover this stuff somewhat seriously instead of just laughing and winking like they used to. Mm -hmm. um, but Peru, as we know, happens to be the home of some of the greatest megalithic marvels on the planet. And um, I don't know if I shared last time. I don't know if I ever talked about some of my experiences in Peru, but there was one experience I had at a very little known site high in the uh, it's called the Sacred Valley of Peru. Hmm. So it's not far from Machu Picchu. And um, what makes this my favorite site is it's not, you know, it's not this massive site like Machu Picchu. 
It's a cave high in the Andes Mountains. And I'll never forget our, our tour guide years ago who took me there, Brian Forster. He said, we're going to go up uh, kind of in a, uh, a desolate area and we're going to hike up the side of this mountain and you're going to see something that's going to blow your mind. And so we hike through this ravine, these old railroad tracks. We scale the side of this uh, mountain. And you can see up in the distance this huge cave. And um, I mean, just a cave alone is cool to me. Hey, let's go, yeah, let's man. go see this cave. Maybe there's some Inca ruins from you know the 1300s. That'd be cool. You get in this cave, and there is precision 3D megaliths um, on two sides. One, a whole face of the cave inside has been literally looks like laser cut away. And there's a 3D faux door. So, you know, it looks like a door that goes into the mountain, but it, obviously it doesn't. It's a, it's a false door. Wow. But it's got all these layers that lead to the the door. Um, just trapezoidal. I mean, looks sci-fi, right? And then at the entrance to the cave is what some would call a altar, or it, it could even look like a console out of Star Trek. Uh, trapezoidal, triangular precision laser light cuts and so you you look into the inca legends because obviously i don't believe the inca created this they they found it eons later and they they uh, repurposed it as a sacred site right and um the inca legends of the site are that this was a portal this was a stargate if you will right where the sun, so on the one console altered like spot, there's almost these, it sounds crazy, but these seats that you would either sit in or kneel in, there's a laser-like hole through the top of it. Unfortunately, a lot of it was blown off, so it must have looked incredible in antiquity. But apparently at a, a certain equinox, the sun, the sunbeam will pass through that hole, and the ancients would, you know, according to the Inca, press their forehead into that. And this would give you some kind of, you know, consciousness enlightenment key to go then enter the portal and travel to other dimensions, what? right? So all that sounds crazy, but the craziest part of the story, and I didn't share this last time, did I? No. Okay. No. Crazy part of the story is we're up there, and so our guide had brought along this Incan kind of shaman type guy who you could tell he, he thought the site was so sacred. He wouldn't let us enter the cave without him blowing incense on us. And he's like, we've got to appease the spirits. So I was, I was kind of freaked out going in like, Oh boy, what am I getting myself into? Yeah, Didn't know I was going to be hanging out with an Incan shaman. Uh, <laughs> but I know who I'm covered by. So I go in there mm -hmm. and so after we had looked around at these incredible megaliths and heard kind of the, the legends, this Incan shaman says, hey, everybody kind of sit in a circle in the cave and let's just meditate. And he, he pulls out a drum and he basically said something like, just welcome in the spirits. And so now I'm thinking, oh, man, now I'm getting nervous. And he starts beating on his drum and he's singing kind of just was a really beautiful ancient Incan like chant. And where it gets crazy is 
it it did seem peaceful and quiet for a couple minutes as he's singing and gentle breeze blowing through this cave. You're high in the, the Andes Mountains. And I'm like, man, this is this is what ancient exploration looks like. Yeah, buddy. Suddenly, you know, a lot of people have their eyes closed, you know, because they're just chilling, meditating. Suddenly we hear a blood curdling scream. Blood curdling, you know, everybody opens their eyes. And this guy in our group is literally terrorized with fear and he's shaking, flailing his arms and literally screaming bloody, bloody murder. Oh my God. I'm thinking, what is going on? Right. We, a lot of us rush over to this guy. Like, is he having a heart attack? Is he, you know, did some snake come out and bite him? Like, I don't know. And this guy is, but you could tell pretty quickly this was spiritual or something, right? Yeah. Um, I even thought demon possession, like what in the heck? When this guy chilled out finally, um, he basically told this story. And and for the record, I should say he was he he had let us know. He had let us all know before that he was a proud atheist. Um, days before, you know, on the trip, right. and this guy was this guy was from India. Really, I mean, he was a brilliant guy, super smart, proud atheist. So he goes on to say how he was just doing what the Incan shaman said, and he was trying to meditate and just being in a receiving position. And he saw a puma come out of that portal false door and and enter him and <laughs> literally basically turned him white and scared him to death yeah <laughs> and so it, that's crazy on many levels you know even the fact that he was a proud atheist right right um but to me it showed a parallel of some of these ancient megalithic sites and the spiritual realm right Yes. And even technology. So I guess I felt like that was appropriate to share with all the craziness coming out of Peru. Um, I've seen it with my own eyes. You know, this stuff is real. Uh, whether you see an entity or not, I mean, you, you better be careful what you're opening yourself up to. So what do you think about that story? That blows my mind. Um, he saw a, a puma come out of that what we thought was a false door at the beginning of this story. So obviously that's the portal. Um, man, I, I don't even know where to go from there. That I, I might've told you that we had a, a an experience uh, where we, we tempted something that we probably shouldn't have tempted when we, we went out on a little exploration of our own on these ridges here in Appalachia. And we discovered a, uh, a snake mound that had been abandoned. Um, it had been referenced in a newspaper like 50 years ago. A historian found it and it, it sparked our interest in it. So we went out there and found it. And it wasn't a, a portal that I know of, but while we were there, you could hear, um, you know, as we would say certain Psalms, because we went up there and we basically tried to, you know, poke the poke the bear you know stir up the hornet's nest a little bit we went up there with Whoa. uh anointing oil and reading psalms and um by the time we left 
you know, we were getting escorted out, it seemed like almost by owls. You know, you could hear them, hear them back there. And then when we go home, just about every guy in our group, there was about six or eight of us, we all had some kind of high sketch, you know, weird experiences for the next couple of weeks going on around the house or in our families and stuff. So I I definitely believe that there is power in these locations. Um, for this for this atheist to have his uh his spiritual awakening there, I couldn't imagine. I guess that you know for him the the flailing and stuff. If he doesn't believe in the spiritual world, did he really think that a puma was coming out of that door? What's interesting about the puma is that um the puma is actually the sacred kind of um uh animal of that area so like even mm -hmm. if you look at the shape of cusco um on google maps it's actually made into that of a puma really if you yeah if you go to uh Sacsayhuaman, if you google Sacsayhuaman, that's one of the sites where the biggest has the biggest most incredible megaliths you've probably seen pictures of um there's like a puma paw that goes straight up hidden in the stones and uh, people have also i believe found like the actual head and, and body and tail of a puma so if you if you type in that site in, in puma you'll probably see those pop up wow and so um yeah it's just it's got all the sacred geometry they call it and um was basically i believe even um maybe like an, something the the Inca themselves worship. So, so much craziness with all that. But yeah, that was a crazy experience. Um, so at all these ancient sites, I mean, there's a reason that people are drawn to them. Obviously, I'm drawn to them for its historical significance and right. because I believe it's evidence of lost technology. But it's interesting that at all these sites, you find people that are um, in search of healing, that are in search of uh, all the stuff, right. That some might call new age. They're attracted to these sites like magnets. And it's because there really is energy emanating from them. Yeah. Um, that might sound weird to some people, but, um, I mean, in Egypt on our last trip, we had a doctor on our trip, um, who deals in, some really high tech holistic um uh practices to heal the body and so she kind of went to egypt just always wanting to go she didn't know a whole lot about what these ancient temples were it was so interesting to talk to her because once she kind of learned um from myself and from muhammad ibrahim our tour guide who's also one of the foremost egyptologists uh, who's actually broken with the mainstream. So yeah. he's a super brave guy to say what he says. Um, but when she started to learn about the geology and how these ancient temples were being used by the ancients for fertility and healing the body, she was literally making the parallels to the stuff we're trying to create and get back to today. Right. And she says, we're barely scratching the surface of what they had, but the craziest part was seeing her encounter some of this energy. It was so strong for her at a couple of sites. She had to walk away. Wow. And so, um, 
and I'm not this big feeler. Like I don't see things. Usually I don't feel things like, you know, my wife might write spiritually or uh, people that say they do. It was so interesting when we went into the so-called King's chamber of the great pyramid, which is considered the Holy of Holies. This is the biggest chamber inside the great pyramid of Giza. It's, you know, built with these mortarless rose granite blocks. that are just massive in scale. And inside this King's chamber is what a lot of people call a sar sarcophagus. I don't believe it was a sarcophagus in any way. This was some kind of precision rectangle box that housed an energy device. And um, when you look, when you compare it to a dynastic Egyptian sarcophagus, it doesn't even look the same. Right. The dynastic Egyptians of 3000 BC, as we might've discussed before, they get all the credit for creating everything in Egypt, the pyramids. They no way had the technology to do any of that. They had copper chisels and hammers. Um, so they found this stuff thousands of years later, eons later, and repurposed it, wanted to bury their kings in it because they knew this was special. Mm -hmm. And so, again, you get into this king's chamber, you can see laser-like uh, cuts on these boxes, precision drill holes. Um, but as we were in that king's chamber, I asked Muhammad Ibrahim if he would resonate the room because I've heard... Uh, I've heard of people doing this because it's all harmonics and acoustics. And so it'll resonate at a certain frequency. So he was doing that. The room was growing louder and louder. And um, it was incredibly hot and humid in there. And so um, I had taken my shoes off and I was just chilling out in there, laying on my back, looking up. And I was sitting there just in awe of the other people that had been in this room. The, the great explorers of the world. Uh, Napoleon was in that room. Um, I mean, so many others I could, I could list. And so Da Vinci was in that room. I believe he, he made a secret trip to Egypt um, that he encoded even into his paintings. It's crazy. If you look at the last supper painting, now this is the real Da Vinci code. I'm, stuff the movies that were made about it were probably all fake but this is the real stuff right. da vinci did make a secret trip to the pyramids and he documented this in some writings and there was a like three years he disappeared nobody knew where he went well he went to egypt to you know try to take in this ancient knowledge and we know that because when you look at his greatest masterpieces all of them encode the mathematics and dimensions of the pyramid. So if you take that King's chamber and you place it over his last supper painting, it's the exact same room, exact same dimensions. Uh, Robert Edward Grant, I did an interview with him about this. You can see he's got the graphics. It's mind blowing. Um, to where, um, Again, that Last Supper room is the exact same rectangle dimension as that King's Chamber, um, every facet. So it's mind-blowing to consider that Da Vinci was likely in this room. All that to say, I'm sitting there, and I finally felt like, whoa, some energy emanating out of this. I don't know if it was the box or the room itself, um, but it felt like um, 
and I'm not somebody that does any kind of drugs. The only drug I've ever had is Novocaine at the dentist. (laughs) So, but that's what it felt like. It was kind of like this blanket that came over you. Yeah. And you felt a little almost uh, woozy. It was just like, whoa. Um, So that was crazy because I never felt that the, the time before. All that to say there's energy at these sites. And again, it's because the ancients, I believe, knew way more about the earth than we do, how it was created. They knew where the ley lines were. And when you when you put the right stone materials combination on these right spots, this stuff's going to happen. So, Man, okay. That, that gives me a couple of questions. One, where do you think ultimately this knowledge come from that where where did this technology come from is this watcher technology is that what we're dealing with here is that is that where this ancient knowledge ultimately comes from are these locations uh and i'm gonna throw big questions like this out okay just a couple of them (laughs) Are, are these locations possibly hubs for where principalities reside you know um these these pyramids maybe or these these other structures these these highly spiritual energized places are there there are there god placed principalities residing in these areas today that still draw people in to worship like they did um in the ancient times what what do you think about all that am i just in fantasy land here or is that hitting the mark at all yeah no you're not in fantasy land great questions um man we could go so many places with this i know when i when i was at um nate from blurry creatures asked me a question once that i had never considered and it really made me think about this when i was in egypt last time he says do you think these ancient megalithic sites you know let's say if we kind of think about the narrative of the watchers and and this was built with some possible watcher technology which i'm sure most of your listeners know who the watchers were in the nephilim um he goes what if do you think these could be you know on earth as in heaven if the watchers were you know once in 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 glory right before they fell and they saw the incredible uh, structures there. What if their structures on earth are trying to emulate that? Right. So that blew my mind because okay, I'm thinking, okay, maybe heaven just got a whole lot cooler. <laughs> if there we're talking megalithic mortarless temples. Now I can't wait for this. Right. Right. <laughs> right. That's your heaven so, for sure. So, um, so that was crazy to think about. Um, but man, I think I left Egypt this last time with more questions and answers as I dug even deeper. Um, and it's crazy because it's so multi-layered, right? Like the Inca were an amazing culture, yet they were very dark and depraved. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the sacrifices they did. When a when an Incan king would die, like literally they would slaughter all of his servants and concubines with him. So very 
just very grotesque, right? And the dynastic Egyptians, um, you know, they were very into their pantheon of gods and very dark and to the dead and all this stuff. But when you go to Egypt and you start to study the original ancient Egyptians, this sounds elementary, but they don't seem as dark as the dynastic Egyptians of 3000 BC, if that makes sense. It does. These, what I would call the pre-Diluvian or the golden age ancient Egyptians, who I believe were the actual builders of the pyramids, mm-hmm. they are the ones the dynastics were emulating. And so what's crazy is, you know, the pyramids alone are incredible in Egypt, these megalithic, I believe, holistic energy devices. Then you've got these ancient temples. A lot of them were rebuilt on top by the dynastics, but the bases are megalithic, the same stones as the pyramids. What a lot of people don't realize is a bunch of the statues in Egypt were built, I believe, by the same builders as the pyramids. They are precision, laser-like cut out of 1,000-ton piece of granite. These statues feature muscle tone, laser cuts. This, These depict the ancient pre-Diluvian rulers. Now, that to me is the most mind-blowing thing I discovered on my last Egypt uh, trip to Egypt, not my last one, the one before, is we've got the statues. We know what they looked like. Now, the dynastic Egyptians, their statues are trying to mimic the originals, but their statues are made in sections. It's the best they could do. And, you know, they look cool, but you could tell it was chiseled, right? Whereas these massive, the 1,000-ton statues seen at the Ramuseum, the thing's got these emblems in its shoulders, which people would call hieroglyphs, but these are the original symbols of their language. Hmm. So hieroglyphs are the original language that the dynastics still had knowledge of and kept going. So the crazy, I guess the point is, these original ancient Egyptians, um, they almost seem peaceful. They almost seem um, benevolent. You don't you don't get the sense of just like, you know, you picture a Nephilim and it might look like an orc from the Lord of the Rings and you just yeah. picture nasty and horns. It's okay. not like that at all, right? Right. So it's like, who were these people? Was and I had crazy thoughts coming out like, could this have been a pre-Adamic race? Right? Yeah. Like if we want to get really weird. Yeah. Could this have been a pre-Adamic race? Um, if you get into the whole gap theory stuff, um, which the more I look into that, man, the more I think there's something there. Yeah. And And people can send me all the hate mail they want. But when you read the Hebrew of Genesis 1-1, it is com- saying a completely different thing than the Hebrew of Genesis 1-2. 1-1 is saying this this world is complete. It's beautiful. It's finished. I think even the word is it's fat, meaning it's just like beautiful. And then 1-2 means it's means anarchy, desolate. Uh, you know, when it says the spirit was hovering over the waters, 
it's um it's vain it's vanity so i think that there could have been a massive chasm between verse one and verse two right. the fall of lucifer right yeah and his nature of destruction and i always as a kid thought well the world must have been like this blob floating in space but that's not what i i read when you read the hebrew it just means desolate it means um ruins right yeah and so what if again before, what if what if the creation of man we read about is in the recreated earth and what if there were civilizations in Genesis 1-1 like these ancient Egyptians? What are your thoughts? Man, I I have tiptoed around that gap theory. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like um I I do think there's room for that. I think there's room for that to be the fall of Lucifer. Um it's interesting because the things you're saying is blowing my mind where the, the Hebrew definition of the words, you know, um, that it was fat. And here I think in ours, it says like an expanse, you know, the expanse. And it kind of really simplifies it. Um, and again, with the uh, the darkness, when you know, what that would really mean, that it would, that it was desolate, that it was broken down. That's yeah, because it was it was when you study the Greeks, they're the ones that believed in chaos theory, you know, something out of nothing. Right. I mean, that's really that's that's evolution, you know, that yeah, that beauty came out of chaos. So, how is that, you know, how does that jive with the origins of the earth that? that we have been led to believe in Genesis one, two, it's this darkness. It's, you know, it's basically chaos. If again, if you're looking into the Hebrew, mm -hmm. um, to me, it makes more sense if the actual beginning in one, one is saying perfect, beautiful, finished, done. So crazy stuff for people to go dig in and uh, look into, but I know we're hitting on all kinds of crazy topics. I don't want to steer the boat over the cliff. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's okay. Uh, Something else you said though a minute ago um, that I had never considered, and you said that these structures, these statues, were created by the same people that made the pyramids. Um, a lot of people, you know, myself included, when we when we think about that, it's just like okay, that's that's fine. But if you actually sit there and ponder on it, if you if you ruminate for just a second the amount of time that they, you know, when they try to explain away how the pyramids were built, I don't know how many generations they say it took to build the pyramids or whatever. How would they have the same time to do these structures and statues unless that there's some kind of advanced technology? How in the world do you cut through, uh, what is a thousand ton blocks of granite? Uh, yeah. It, and it's, it's yeah. just bad. Just, just that is impossible today. You know, j just that is enough to build a show around. You know, it's enough. Um, but to think that we we get to see the images of these first inhabitants. Do you think that those first? Do you think these 
is this what you're saying that these statues and these pyramids were here between verses one and two of Genesis? I, I definitely think it's a possibility. Yeah. Wow. I definitely think it's a possibility. Um, I believe, I mean, minimum, they're at least 10,000 BC. Um, again, you start getting into the, the legends of some of this and the oral traditions, even of the ancient Egyptians. Um, we've found hieroglyphs, you know, from around 3000 BC of the ancient Egyptians talking about the Sphinx being ancient, right? So that right there tells you that that sucker is way, way older than, than 5,000 years. Right. That's why it's got a small head. The dynastic Egyptians of 3000 BC recarved it. It was originally um, likely a lion, lioness head. Um, and you go around the enclosure of the Sphinx and the Sphinx itself, as Robert Schock pointed out years ago, the thing is massive water erosion and and egypt hasn't seen water like that for the ice age right, right. so this thing this thing definitely lived through the flood wow. and you can see the very marks of a worldwide flood cataclysm because uh water erosion is looks far different than sand erosion and it's 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 striking. You go to, to the Sphinx and you see this so clear. It's like massive rivers were running through here, um, and sand can't just produce that kind of erosion. So again, you see all these things, but yeah, the statues are the most incredible thing I think. Uh, underrated ancient artifacts in the world, especially in Egypt, are these statues because we get to see who these these builders were what the civilization looked like and uh i mean it's it's incredible to see the facial structures they had um their eyes um are you very unique kind of more slanted um but they were uh, i mean some of these statues are just so massive in scale um, and then so many of the temples are massive, so they easily could have been giants of some sort, right? Mm. Um, but again, you look at all over the pyramids, all over the rocks surrounding the pyramids, you see basically laser cuts everywhere. Something that you'll never see on the History Channel, right? You see drill precision drill holes. I found one at Karnak that was at least that big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen and your video you of that. Yeah, you can see the uh you could see how the the drill was rotating, yeah. right? And so whatever they had, they did this with ease. But again, you look at these statues, um, the one at the Ramazeum I mentioned, there's several at Karnak, probably has the best collection of them. If you Google um or actually Google um Luxor Temple. And it's kind of fun. It's like going on a treasure hunt when you go to these ancient sites, because once your eye is trained you can differentiate very quickly dynastic architecture of 3000 BC with pre-Diluvian architecture. They look nothing alike. Right. And then especially if you compare dynastic statue and megalithic statue, these megalithic statues feature muscle tone. The one in Memphis is probably the most striking. It's 
Google a giant statue of Ramses in Memphis. This thing is bigger than a school bus. And it looks like it was cut with lasers. And it's the crazy thing is a lot of them are made of granite. This one's made of limestone, which is a lot softer. So it's it's actually miraculous that it's almost perfectly preserved, except yeah. for the legs cut off. Um, but you see the details of what they had in their hands and their fingernails, and and this was cut out of one piece. So so much we could talk about with Egypt, with Peru. Uh, we're getting into aliens, uh, origins of the earth. This is this is a great show. Yeah, man, I I appreciate you so much. Um, you know, while while you're explaining this stuff to me, it's just like this is why your show w- was attempted to be canceled. You know, you you're exposing this stuff. You're exposing the darkness. Um, you're revealing the truth, and then I started thinking, well. If they if they want to hide things this bad, why don't they just get rid of these statues? Get you know get rid of this ancient history, which I understand it would probably bust into a civil war pretty quick over that. Mm-hmm. But what's easier is to bury your content, and for anyone who talks about this stuff, to for them to present it as some kind of you know nut job conspiracy theorist. Uh, religious nut whatever they want to call you mm-hmm. um but you're actually showing the videos so they they can say what they want your right. content is there and I, I hope everybody looks at this stuff um well and, and one more uh thought i have on that you know they've done everything they can short of basically what you described why don't they just get rid of this stuff right right what they've done is if concocted this whole Egyptological narrative mm-hmm. which um hasn't even been around I don't think I mean maybe a hundred years at max but basically again look at the massive effort by the mainstream media the political powers to feed us a, a daily diet of fake news right yeah if they'll work that hard every day to hide today's real news from us, at what lengths do you think they'll take to hide the real history from us? And and again, that's exactly what they're trying to do. And because we've heard it said, those who control the past control the future. And so they strategically disinform us regarding the prehistoric past. And then they'll turn around and accuse uh, guys like me or uh, like Graham Hancock of spreading disinformation, right? right. Right. Graham Hancock's actually been banned from going to Egypt, which is just insanely sad. This man can no longer go to Egypt because he's too much of a threat. Wow. So I guess when I start feeling bad about myself, I I, I think, well, at least that hasn't happened to me. God willing. <laughs> um, and so like all, almost all of us were brought up to believe, right, that Ancient times equal primitive times, as I say. The further you look back into the history, the more archaic, the dumber. Um, and so Egyptology, the study of pharaonic dynasties, again, of 3000 BC, tell us that uh, these dynastics uh, created the pyramids as tombs and blah, blah, blah. And so that's that's what they've concocted, right, is this tomb theory. 
Well, the, the Egyptians of 3000 BC are about as ancient as it goes. And uh, they made the pyramids as tombs. And we'll call this the king's chamber and that the queen's chamber, right? Right. Um, and so that'll fool you long enough again until you start asking questions. Okay, well, if that's the case, why does the inside of the Great Pyramid look nothing like these pharaoh's uh, chambers in the Valley of the Kings? Oh, and by the way, the Valley of the Kings is like 10 hours away from the Great Pyramid by car. Oh, so wow. it's a, it's another country away, right? Yeah. It's They would want us to think it's right next to it. Yeah. It's so far away. And it's there's the Valley of the Kings are tunnels just dug into the, the hills. And inside you see, you know, hieroglyphs and, and paintings and their sarcophaguses. Inside the pyramid, it's machine-like. There's no hieroglyphs. There's no paintings there's no statues there's steep 300 foot passageways that you could barely climb up and down with the modern day staircases they've put in there yeah how would the dynastic egyptians traverse through it with no stairs and railings carrying sarcophaguses and statues right All right there's no way they could ever get out once they went down into the subterranean chamber. They'd be stuck. Yeah, it'd be like a chute, right? It's just like a slick chute on bare granite, slick me uh, granite. Yeah. So that's the kind of things you start to realize. This pyramid is not even functional for a human or a humanoid type entity to be inside. Those were probably maintenance shafts that they sent a machine down yeah. to clean out or do whatever. So there's definitely a cover up. And again, to answer your question, I think Egyptology is their best attempt to just say, don't look, don't look here. This is just, there's nothing to see here. You know, there, I know you're probably pressed for time, man, but I, I want to make one more connection there because on a much smaller scale, we see that here in Appalachia with the burial mounds we have. Uh, I live in West Virginia. We're surrounded by mounds. There's still a lot of mounds here. Um, there's actually a mound in my community that someone built a house on top of. They flattened the top. They put a house on it. Uh, but these mounds were here before the Shawnee. Um, from, from what I've gathered from historians and everything else, the Shawnee said that these mounds were here before them. They revered them as like holy sites or whatever. Um Local lore says that there have been giants unearthed from these mounds, just like everywhere else in, in this region. Um, but the government or whoever says that anything that's been unearthed here, any of these things belong to the specific tribal nations. And if you say anything otherwise, then you're saying that they didn't have the ability for this or that, that they, uh, you know, they, you're, you're taking away their history. It's any kind of anything that you would say otherwise is some kind of appropriation. Um, we unearthed a whole, when I say we, I mean the, the, the city that I'm from, they unearthed a whole like cemetery, right? Burial grounds. They found 
all kinds of artifacts. They uncovered graves. Um, they found trinkets that were linked to their deities. All of this is gathered up and shipped off to New York to be reinterred. Um, it's just a, don't look at those mounds. That was just from the Shawnee. They, they just buried their people there. Um, we're not going to put a historical marker there or anything. Just, just keep moving. You know what I mean? Um, so on a much smaller scale, I, I see what you're, what you're saying. And it works here for them to say, you know, that's just, that's just a mound. That's just a burial mound. It just, uh, you know, don't play with the Ouija board on top of it and you're okay. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? They, they just keep moving. Uh, but yeah, the whole culture of Egypt revolves around these structures. So I can imagine the uh, the backlash you would receive. I, I I'm surprised you are allowed in Egypt. You know. Yeah. You know it's interesting. Have you heard of the Nagpra laws? Nagpra. That's um, the Reclamation Act stuff. Well, re relating to what you were just saying about you know the cover up of mounds and. Relegating it, relegating it all to, you know, Native American artifacts. Yeah, and you know, NAGPRA. I think it stands for Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Repatriation Act. Yeah, I think it was passed in the '90s. So, in a nutshell, it's yeah, it's like you're. It's kind of what they've done with Egyptology, right? So they passed this law that states that any ancient specimen. Um, that was found or artifact, you know, is Native American because they're telling us there was nothing here before the Native Americans. And therefore it can't, it can be removed from public display and it has to be repatriated back or buried according to the tradition of the tribes. Now, obviously, if something's truly from the uh, Native American tribes, they should get full access and do what they want with it. But absolutely, even the original smithsonian archaeologists oh, when yeah. you read their reports they're saying this is not native american this has caucasian features even the native americans at times are saying this isn't us exactly yes yes um, but if they want if they want what is theirs they have to take it all yeah what better that's, way to hide the bones you know that's crazy cool man that you uh are in that area where you can you can go explore and still see some of these uh, mounds because that is that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surrounded by them. Uh, they have there's a couple of them that are are big enough where they put a little marker out there, you know, and they yeah. they just hang it, you know, that it's the Adena people who are the Adenas. I don't know the mound builders who are the mound builders. They're the Adenas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's circular, circular, but but that's it, man. Uh, but yeah, it, it is cool, but I wish we could get to, uh, the truth like you're exposing here with, with all your research. There's, um, it's fascinating. The mound, the mound culture, even some of these artifacts, especially in the Ohio mounds, um, they look like full on Mayan artifacts. And again, most people have no idea that Mayan-like artifacts were found in mounds. Um, but, you know, most of these mounds, these ancient ones, 
Um, I inter inter interviewed a guy named Dr. Gregory Little, who's one of the foremost experts on this topic. And he wrote a huge encyclopedia on the, on the subject. He's visited every mound that exists. Wow. And I did an interview with him just several months back featuring um, a lot of the artifacts that he's referencing. So you might want to find that anybody listening on YouTube or wherever uh, Spotify, my podcast. Um, again, it is crazy. The artifacts pulled out of these mounds. Some of them look like uh, Mayan artifacts. Um, but his whole theory, he breaks down talks. He references the Smithsonian and all these newspaper articles. The majority of skeletons found in the largest mounds were seven to nine feet tall and this guy does not have a biblical worldview really that i i can sense right. but he full-on says the ruling class were some type of hybrid if you want to call them giants that were up to nine feet tall they were ruling you know the the norm the normies who were <laughs> not the giants and so it's fascinating that again right here in our country the history goes back so much further and there's even been elongated skull specimens uh, discovered here on Catalina Island in my home state of Washington state. Uh, people might've heard of the Kennewick man. Oh yeah. This was a huge discovery in the nineties. And even again, the native Americans back in the day, I believe were saying this, this wasn't us. This, and the original archaeologist who uncovered this clearly said it wasn't Native American. So there was this huge legal battle for the skeleton. The Native Americans ended up winning and got to bury it. Uh, but if you go to the Kennewick Museum, which I did a couple of years ago, it's it's so sad. This was one of the greatest discoveries of the modern era in America. You go to this museum, the little section for the skeleton is a joke. It's a little stand, real cheap, where they have a replica of the skull and it's tiny. Of course. And it's just round, right? And it, all it says was this was, you know, uh, found in the river and basically nothing to see here. Um, another researcher who did further research on this pointed this stuff out to me. So I'm not getting this original that um again the original archaeologist stated this thing was big this thing when you look at its uh pictures of its body it looks like it's got six fingers on one hand and guess what it looks like it looks like a paracas peru skull of course huge elongated skull yeah and you can see it in the original photographs but the replica today, small and round. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there's so much in, in, in ancient America that we could talk about, but we'll we'll save that for another day, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Derek Olson, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show, man. Uh we're leaving off where I think I have a, a an interview next week. I'm talking to a guy who uh, has made the connection between these elongated skull giants. And them being depicted today in clowns, if you if you can wrap your head around that, how modern day clowns are on stilts, you know, they're eight or nine feet tall. They have this wild red hair 
they have their mouths and nose stained like like they've been feasting on blood. Um, how, why does it strike fear in people to see these clowns? Uh, it's that uh, that the theory uh, I forget what it's called now, but the uncanny valley theory. Um, this guy's made the connection, and uh, I think this is a good place to leave off. We'll, we'll leave off with the skulls, and maybe we'll pick back up next week and talk about the skulls some more. Brother, I thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me on. It was a great discussion and uh, great questions. I hope the audience enjoyed our uh, discussion. And um, get out there, people, and do do research. Look, look deeper into these topics. Don't just take my word for it. But we are definitely living in crazy, exciting times. Amen. Amen. Where can they uh, Where can they find you if if the search engines work? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, find me on YouTube, Megalithic Marvels. Um, I'm, I'm I'm on Facebook, Instagram as well. Got a Facebook group, all the things, Twitter or X. Um, and also got a podcast too. Just search Megalithic Marvels, dive into history subjects. And uh, megalithicmarvels.com is kind of a blog side of things where I uh, put out some articles and people can find links to my tours and stuff there. So. That's it, man. All right. Thanks, brother. You have a good day and God bless. Thanks. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. So now that we have this knowledge, we have to remember to walk in 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. That's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more content, if you want to submit your own story to be on the show, if you want to listen to past episodes, or if you want to donate to the show, you can do all of that through thebumppodcast.com. So just go there, uh, explore the website, check it all out. If you want to sign up to be a member, it's super cheap. It's just $1.75 a week. You can cancel at any time. Get in on... uh, all the the new latest and greatest stuff we have going on. All right. So again, thanks for listening. I love you. God bless.
you're personally ready to submit your life to God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it really simply, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. To be born again, to start a new life as a child of God, to join God's army, to rise up against the evil forces that you know are all around you. You don't have to do it alone. I love you. Jesus loves you. And may God bless you. When I was young All the wicked Things that I've done And then one night On my knees I pray I ask the Lord For some better days Yes, I went to the altar. I fell down on my knees and I prayed. I asked the Lord to forgive me. Now I'm living. have a friend who had grew ill doctors said the only way he would make it would be God's will he called me up one night just to say brother if you would So I went to the altar, I fell down on my knees and I prayed, I asked the Lord if he would heal him, and now he's living. If you're here feeling lonely and your burdens you no longer can bear, just come on up to this altar and take it to the Lord.
Better day. 